Welcome to Ocean Avenue, an adult animated comedy podcast, and I'm your host, Donnie. It's premiere night seven, and I'm going to review Bob's Burgers season 14, episode seven, The Raccoon King and I. The Simpsons season 37, episode seven, It's a Blunderful Life. Family Guy season 22, episode six, Boston Stewie. And at the end of this episode, we're going to have the wrap up where I choose the overall winner of the night. Before we get this episode started, let's take a quick break and we come back. We're going to start the night off with Bob's Burgers. Welcome back. So um, here's the synopsis for Bob's Burgers Season 14, Episode 7, The Raccoon, King, and I. The family is looking out the window and knows that there's a building. Uh, they're building a stage in, for a block party. Bob was hoping for them to build it near Mort's so he would have a perfect view of the stage, but since they built it further up, he won't be able to see it. Louise makes an arrangement with the kids in her school to give her cool candy in exchange to watch the concert. The concert is for Soul Breezers, and Bob was a fan at one point. His favorite song was Gas in My Car. Bob isn't too confident that it will gain any business for him since he's behind the stage. Linda notices that little King Trashmouth is hurt and went to get some burger buns to feed him. Bob is annoyed everyone left him alone during the concert. Mr. Huggins noticed that Little King Trashmouth was limping, and Linda noticed that Little King Trashmouth is having issues with her with his boyfriend Gary. Rudy is super excited to see the concert, but all they see is a black tarp. Back at the alley, Linda brings Little King Trashmouth a pickle, and she mentions that she called Animal Control to help out with his paw. Teddy mentions that that was a bad idea because they have a tendency to take care of wild animals that are sick by possibly killing them. The Soul Breezers are playing music in the background while they plan on figuring a way to save Little King Trashmouth. Bob is working overtime at the restaurant and notices that Soul, the Soul Breezers manager walked in. Bob feels that they are lucky to have a he's lucky to have the job that he loves and he laughs by saying, "No, they're broke and they're having issues." In the alley, Linda, Tina, and Teddy are doing everything possible to get Little King Trashmouth. Linda noticed Little King Trashmouth just had a splinter in his paw and he got it out. As they move to the move the dumpster, Little King Trashmouth runs away, making it more difficult to save him from animal control. The school kids are trying to leave because they and they want their candy back because they can't see the stage. Louise is trying everything she can to convince them that the backstage is just as exciting as the regular stage. Louise is basically bending over backwards trying to prevent them from leaving. Linda is distracted and isn't very helpful to Bob at the restaurant. The animal lady, the animal control lady shows up and Linda is doing everything she can to trick her to leave and she notices little king trashmouth she's linda is doing everything she can to trick her to leave oh, okay so basically linda wants uh the the uh the animal control lady to leave and then she then all of a sudden little king trashmouth shows up and she sees him moments later she grabs a cage and is determined to catch him teddy uh Tina and Linda are freaking out and are now looking for solutions for the situation. The Soul Breezers manager is giving Bob a bleak story about the band and makes it sound like they are just being tortured playing their one hit song over and over. Bob is feeling kind of bummed over the whole conversation. Louise and Jean are doing everything in their power to make it feel like a true concert experience. Linda and the others are just searching 
with all of their might to find little King Trashmouth. Tina found him in the alley and the animal control also finds him and Lena gets super sad. She feels that she's watching the possible end to little King Trashmouth. Lena isn't giving up and runs inside the wine store, opens up the side door and grabs little King Trashmouth. Bob is imagining himself aging and it's bothering him. The manager tells Bob his favorite song is playing and he can barely see anything. The kids are upstairs and are having fun dancing to the song. The animal control lady leaves and Linda sneaks little King Trashmouth back into the alley and reunites him with Gary. And they begin having fun. Bob notices that the band is still having fun and the manager mentions they do have fun even though they have bad times. Bob begins to feel better and starts dancing, awkwardly might I add. Everyone is having a fun time and we see the raccoon, uh, the, both the raccoons leave peacefully away from the restaurant. The end credits is young Bob dancing to gas in my car and coincidentally also runs out of gas by the time the song ends. <laughs> so that was a really fun episode. I did find some trivia and here we go. Uh, some of it I had to do it myself and some of it I got from fandom. Just a little heads up. So store next door is Boomer Bangs middle-aged haircuts. Extermination van is not my problem. The burger of the day is everything everywhere all at Quince Burger. Table read date unknown. The title is a reference to the 1956 film The King and I. Mr. Huggins makes his first appearance since season 10. Tina mentions she's been to two concerts. The first is the Boys For Now concert she went to with Louise in Boys For Now. She adds that the other one is just one she was she stood outside of referencing the episode These Boots Are Made For Stocking where Tina stands out of Odeon for the Mustang for the Mustangs. Oh, it's hard to read that one. This episode is only one of two episodes with a runtime of less than 21 minutes. The other being the amazing Rudy. The single released features three songs heard in the episode was released the day after the episode premiere date titled the Ocean Avenue Block Party. Yay. It's available on Spotify and on Apple Music. So you can check that out. And here's my review for the episode. I really thoroughly enjoyed it. It wasn't really funny in a sense. It was more uh, just fun to watch. Uh, I like the, the vibe of having a little party going on. And um, oh, yeah, I just realized my sound was kind of low. So I just boosted it up. Hopefully I'm not blowing your ears out. Sorry, I didn't notice it until now when I was looking at my chart. So yeah, I had an overall fun time watching it. There was a, a lot of like fun elements of the kids, like watching the, the concert upstairs and Louise trying to convince them the backstage is just as exciting as watching the stage, which is kind of funny. And uh, we got to see Mr. Huggins dancing with his bad knees. There was a lot of really fun moments. I had a lot of uh, enjoyment out of this episode because we got to see Bob dancing his weird dance that he normally does. And uh, we got to see little King Trashmouth again. Even though his storyline really wasn't that exciting, I was kind of hoping it to be more fun. But, you know, it fulfilled its purpose of uh, Linda running around trying to get the <laughs> raccoon. The uh, uh, the other kids all had things to do. So, yeah, overall, everyone in the family had an activity to do. So that's kind of nice. So overall, I give this episode uh, 8 out of 10. It wasn't like mid, but it wasn't like great either. Uh, the main reason why I wouldn't, I would I wanted to give it a higher score, but it's just like, cause the music was fun to listen to. Plus it had a single afterwards. So that was really fun. It was just, uh, there wasn't that many jokes really to be had. I did really love the, 
the aging of progression. I think I posted it on my Instagram also. I thought it was really fun. So yeah, check that out. I had a great time watching it. Hopefully you did too. But yeah, overall, 8 out of 10. Up next, The Simpsons. And here's my synopsis for The Simpsons Season 35, Episode 7, It's a Blunderful Life. <laughs> the opening gag is a paper craft turkey stop motion animation. It involves turkeys eating uh, a turkey eating seeds and each feather turning into a Simpsons character. And when he poops, it's Homer saying dope. <laughs> the, um, we start off in the future and Lisa is in charge of the Thanksgiving and uses a 3D printer to create dinner. Homer has passed away in the future, well, in this future anyways, but it, he was still around due to his hologram. Lisa recounts an event in the past. We see Homer dreaming about Hawaii, and on the TV, it mentions that a winter storm is about to happen in Springfield. March is panicking about putting up the storm shutters. The storm is bursting through the windows and freezing everyone in the house. Homer is still wearing his Hawaiian shirt, even though it's freezing outside because it's Hawaii day at work. Lisa mentions that the faux turkey in the future is going to taste just as great uh, as a regular turkey. Bart <laughs> Bart mentions that in the future that it doesn't. Homer has a contract to prove that he's allowed to have both drumsticks to Bart on Thanksgiving. Back at the power plant, Mr. Burns is toasting to the employees. We learn that this was a plan he has set in place to replace all the union workers with lower-priced non-union workers. Mr. Burns begins doing a song and dance about the benefits of having non-union workers at his company. Meanwhile, the union workers along with Homer are celebrating in the break room and Homer is tasked to throw away the trash and he almost threw it in the wrong slot. Mr. Smithers plugs in an overloaded plug and starts a fire. The non-union workers begin dancing. The union workers, along with Homer, are praying to their gods. And one of them was an M&M with his N&N. &N. So funny. The non-union workers dance out of the power plant because they're apparently like all dancers for some reason. The, a plane drops water onto the power plant and it ruins everything and makes everyone lose their job. And the town has no power on Thanksgiving. The town begins to blame Homer for everything. Homer returns home and he <laughs> and he put in all the storm windows and brought batteries. And this triggers Mars to suspect that Homer was a reason for the blackout. Homer mentions that it wasn't him, but Marge just doesn't believe him as he said this so many times before. This time, it's actually true. We see uh, Marge, mother, for the first time in a long time as she shoots an arrow into Marge's hair. Mayor Quimby suggests a Hunger's Game or Squid Game solution to the problem and picks Millhouse to be first. <laughs> that was so funny because Millhouse was like, I'm finally chosen first. Lisa begins reading a book and is just as depressing as her real life. At this moment, she begins writing. You know what I just realized? That Lisa was reading the book of her memory about a book that she read in her memory. Wow, that's meta. Anyways, at this point, she begins writing into her remembrance book. You know, the book she was reading in the beginning of the episode. Marge is still upset. Bart tries to call tech support, but <laughs> with the little power he has left on his phone, but tech support already hung themselves. Comic book guy mentions that he did not like the latest Matrix movie. Homer enters Moe's and moments later gets kicked out. 
Grandpa brings in firewood for the family and they're impressed by his survival skills. Somehow they begin acting very country and Grandpa is playing his fiddle all day and night. I love Grandpa's fiddle. It cracked me up. The townspeople decide to move the Simpsons home to an edge of a mountain and the townspeople are happy that they expelled them from their town. Ned actually asked the townspeople to move his home next to Mar Homer's. Marge is very upset and she has to believe Homer and it's make, it feels like a bad idea. Homer has a photo of a turkey in the snow that proves that he was telling the truth. Lisa mentions that it has to be Mr. Burns. As Mr. Burns begins to toast to his evil plan, Marge interrupts him and moments later gets arrested. The townspeople are against him and they make him pay a fee and he can easily pay for it without any issue. The town is also upset with is still upset with Marge. Why put Marge? Is still upset with Homer, and he says if he uh, if, if Marge says if she can if they can bring the house back that she will make them Thanksgiving dinner. And they said a really funny thing. They're like, it's never just dinner. But anyways, back in the future, Bart died because Lisa's story was so darn long, and now he's a hologram. The final scene is Homer reading a the Christmas orange to Lisa. Lisa falls asleep, and Homer really is into the book. Here and here's the trivia. The title is based on the Christmas classic, It's a Wonderful Life. That's it. <laughs> That's the trivia. So here's my review for this episode. I actually, I liked it. It was really fun to watch. I had a good time. I like it when they do the futures, the possible futures. I find it really funny. It, they did a pretty good job keeping it original because uh, there really wasn't anything that was reused in this episode that I noticed. Uh, maybe Mr. Burns being evil because they've done that many times. But overall, I did enjoy it a lot. It wasn't anything, um, you know, innovative or anything, but it was something different. And um, I appreciated it. I thought it was really fun to watch. There wasn't any slow parts. The pacing was done pretty well. It was uh, it was low on jokes, but the ones they did have were really impactful. So that's a good thing. So overall, my review for this episode will be a seven out of ten. It's just under Bob's Burgers for me so far. Um, this is on my first viewing, so uh, yeah, maybe it'll improve later on. But overall, it was a solid episode. It wasn't like the best ever, and it wasn't the worst ever, but it was just under Bob's Burgers tonight. So up next is Family Guy. All right, so this is going to be a synopsis for Family Guy Season 22, Episode 6, Boston Stewie. I got this one from Fandom. I didn't write it because I didn't have enough time to rewatch it. But I remember watching it on premiere like when it aired, so I have a, it's still fresh in the memory. So while checking the mail, Stewie and Brian learn that the former has a half-sibling courtesy of an egg donation from Lois in the past. After tracking down a sibling down to Boston in hopes of getting in touch, Stewie discovers a crass, uneducated kid who only resembles him physically. Regardless, Stewie lets him stay at the Griffin home and uses his rash ways to push around the adults in his life. Boston Stewie witnesses a moment of affection between Stewie and Lois and admits that he wishes that he would be adopted. Stewie spends the next week trying to civilize him and following a misstep at Hanover Street Orphanage Adoption Fair, Boston Stewie is taken in by Mark Wahlberg's Seven Sisters. Meanwhile, Chris walks in on Meg preparing a batch of homemade cupcakes and subsequently sits on them as a joke. Angered, Meg posted on social media quickly getting viral and earning the rare moment of respect from Peter. 
Chris and Meg agree to make money off of similar posts going forward. And as time goes on, Chris becomes sensitive to the stress of his job and the mixed reception from the audience. He quickly quits after a falling out with his sister and crew. Peter does not make a good replacement due to being a diva on set. Chris later apologizes for blowing up on his sister, but feels hurt by the pressure of his new gig. The two reconcile further by a... By sitting on a batch of cupcakes together on tape together. Weird. Okay. So here's the trivia for this episode. Boston Stewie's never given a real name. Meg prepares a batch of cupcakes for herself in honor of the events of her previous night, although she isn't sure whether it was her period or a miscarriage. She tells Chris happy unbirthday. The Walt Disney animated version of Alice in Wonderland features a musical number titled A Very Merry Unbirthday to You. Meg decides to give the half the batch to Patty for the funeral of her cat, Coltrane. Stewie's favorite game is read Lois's mail and laugh at her sad life. Lois shops at Lane Bryan and was recently sent a fashion catalog from them. Lois once donated 10 eggs to the New England Fertility Clinic in 1997 for financial compensation, though nine of them were destroyed due to lack of interest. Brian is curious as to what do human eggs taste like? Stewie laughs about Lois's selling her body for money. In college, Lo Lois uh, made a adult film uh, called Quest for Fur while in college and um, in the episode I Am Joyce Kinney. Meg still uses Fridgebod Meg, username first established in Girl Interneted. Chris becomes known as Smushboy15. At this... <laughs> As this isn't the first time Chris has been asked to make a fetish content, his stipulations for the business deal with Meg include seed capital, a business plan, and an escort registered in Delaware. The Griffin's full address is given as 31 Springer Street, Roadhog, Quahog, Rhode Island, 00093. Meg's business phone number is 401-555-0189. To track down Boston Stewie, Stewie hacks the world's most sophisticated surveillance networks and tracks down all of Peter... Peter Schmidt's DNA from Lois's donated egg during his search. He is interrupted by a video call from Peter, who is looking for help after he fell in the shower and broke multiple bones. Stewie, this is a very long, like, uh, trivia section. <laughs> As Stewie reluctantly acknowledges the latter, Rupert is shown wearing the Tufts sweatshirt, assuming that the SAT was based against, uh, biased against bears who precluded his attending the former pair. Furthermore, Rupert is uh, subsequently uh, supposedly Jewish and never told Stewie until this episode. Suspecting that his half-siblings share his mannerisms, Stewie attempts to draw him out by spouting out old phrases, Curse you, vile women, damn you to hell, and victory shall be mine. <laughs> oh my gosh, those phrases are so old. Harvard's distinguished alumni include Steve Banyan, Ted Cruz, Jared Kushner, Dr. Oz, and the Unabomber. Ted Kaczynski, Stewie's, uh, and Ted Kaczynski. Stewie apologizes to the latter for including him from the former four. Boston Stewie was abandoned by his mother and was not, had not been adopted since. He currently lives under the Fenway Park stand and lives off of Race's bleacher farts. Okay. Uh, Boston Stewie has a list of five movies that make him cry and at the end was Braveheart, Dodgeball, and Scarface. Peter wore a 1990s braided belt today for his LinkedIn photo, which is the only reason why he's not willing to be Boston Stewie up for his in indolence. He thinks it makes him look like a dad from Blossom, Nick Russo. 
Lois likes to look up real estate listings and imagine lives better than the one she currently has. Stewie would like to push his bedtime back to 6.45 p.m. Lois later gives into this and puts him to bed at 11.45 p.m. Stewie has a white area rug by his crib. Quahog Preschool teaches critical race theory junior. Boston Stewie has a bloody shoe from Boston Marathon bombing. Peter is allergic to both bacon and cocaine. Peter alleges that bacon-wrapped cocaine is what killed Chris Farley. Oh my gosh. Peter demands that his Halloween costumes get dry cleaned, although no cleaner is available to get the stain out of Emperor Palpatine's robe. Boston Stewie blows up one of his potential families after he confesses that they are Jets fans. He says that the last jet that mattered in New York City was the one that hit the South Tower. Oh my gosh. Boston Stewie has an Aaron Hernandez tattoo. Oof. During the uh, Harvard alumni montage, the boys are back in town by the by Thin Lizzy's plays, Up Where We Belong by Joe Connor Cocker, and J uh, Jennifer Warren's plays at the end of the episode. Oof. Talk about a long uh, trivia section. <laughs> So here's my review for the episode. Um, it was a pretty good episode overall. Uh, it had moments that made me laugh, like uh, Stewie running around screaming like, um, wow, you, you know, woman, all that stuff, like the old catchphrases that he used to say. I think my favorite part was the montage scenes. They really cracked me up because they're just mundane tasks. And there was like a ongoing story about the writer for those montages trying to get custody of his children. And at the end, he just gets custody over, I think, phone call custody. And even still, his ex-girlfriend or slash wife is listening in on the conversations, even though they're not technically supposed to be monitored. So it was overall a very interesting episode. Uh, it was a good night for pretty much all the shows tonight. A lot of good showings. Uh, I had fun um, on this episode of Family Guy. It wasn't as bad as the last one. I did um I did find it funny that Fr uh, Meg still uses fridge bed fridge bod Meg as her username because that was in that uh, older episode and I noticed immediately when I saw it there was um a lot of um like referencing uh moments in this episode I did not really like how they were really just throwing in things that were just to give shock value like mentioning 9/11 like many times over and uh, Emperor Palpatine for the billionth time, and uh, the Aaron Hernandez thing. It was just a lot of stuff where you're like, you're just adding this stuff in to cause like some kind of like needle to be pushed or something like that. It shouldn't be even be added. It didn't really add or subtract from the episode. It was just distracting to have it there instead of being something that was actually funny. But, you know, what are you going to do? That was what they decided to do, and it was there. I didn't laugh at any one of those parts, but, you know, that's what they're ending up to do. Up next is the wrap-up for tonight. <laughs> I did forget to mention that uh, for Bob's, I mean, for Bob's, for Family Guy, they're getting a uh, 6 out of 10. I was going to go right to the wrap-up, but I'm like, wait a minute, I didn't even give a score for uh, Family Guy. So here you go. Here's a wrap-up. So um, overall, I want to give the night to Bob's Burgers. They had probably the most fun episode of the night for me. I thought they had uh, probably the more original uh, storyline for the tonight as I don't think they've ever had a festival like <laughs> cutting off Bob in the front, which made me laugh because normally uh, they have uh, the festival further down at the Wonder Wharf. And this time they're actually having a middle of the street, which is really interesting. 
um, it would be just perfectly Bob to have his restaurant be behind the actual concert instead of in front of it. I did find it funny that um, Jimmy Pesto wasn't there. You would think that he would have been like, oh, Bob, you got cut off or something and made like a Zoom thing about it. But he didn't. I think that uh, this episode was probably recorded after the fact, you know, after they found the new, I mean, before they found the new uh, voice actor. Um, I, I did like uh, the whole uh, upstairs uh, little, they're trying to view the concert and Louise and Gene trying to like get their attention. I thought that was really funny. I thought it was overall a pretty good episode. I think, well, I think I remember giving an eight out of 10. And uh, I would give second place to The Simpsons because it was a solid episode. It was not the funniest thing in the world, but it was fun to watch. Uh, I think I gave it a seven. It was deservingly so because um, I feel like they're doing pretty good so far. Um, overall, this so far, well, let me just keep going. So, And then finally, I would give it to Family Guy. I think so I gave him a six. Uh, it was a pretty good episode for Family Guy. It wasn't a bad or anything. It just wasn't really hilarious. Uh, it just if it wasn't for those montages, I don't know if it would have gotten such a higher high score. Uh, if without if you were like to erase the montages, it would probably be a four. But those montages really made me laugh. Uh, I just thought it was so funny. So adding those in, it bumps it up to a six. So it's still just under The Simpsons. So overall, it's going to be Bob's Burgers, The Simpsons, and then Family Guy. But what I was going to say earlier was overall, uh, both all three. Well, I shouldn't say all three. So for Bob's Burgers, overall, they're really high uh, this season. Um, review wise, they've only had one episode I wasn't a big fan of out of the what is it? Seven episodes they've done so far. They've all been I mean, there's been very good ones. The Rudy one, the the first episode, I can try to remember. And they had a couple of one at two after Rudy I forgot the name of that one there was a lot of good ones uh I just really enjoyed Bob's Burgers this season they did it better than last season to me so far um I want to see what they're going to come up with for Christmas that's going to be interesting because are they going to be able to top themselves because last year's Christmas episode was very 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 good and then we have the Simpsons who I which I'm surprised they started off kind of rocky in the beginning not being very good um, this season, but they're catching up. They're doing better and uh, I see them slowly improving. I did love their Thanksgiving episode. I thought it was really well written. And uh, oh, I think their Halloween episode wasn't as great, but overall they did a pretty good job. And Family Guy started off really bad. It's slowly improving. They've had good episodes. Uh, by good, I mean, okay episodes so far. Uh, with the Boston Stewie episode, it was pretty good. So hopefully they continue in the streak because I really do want them to do better. And I want them to be up with the same level as like a Bob's Burgers because I like good content. That's just how it is. I like good content. I don't care who makes it. Make it good. I'll be happy with it. <laughs> so, yeah, um, coming up, uh, this, the so, ugh, my, my tongue is tied because I'm so tired. So the Simpsons uh, uh, final Thanksgiving episode will be this Wednesday. And then I decided I'm going to do a top 10 countdown of Family Guy, Family Guy, Bob's Burgers Thanksgiving episodes for Thanksgiving. So that will replace my Friday episode. So there won't be a episode on Friday, but there'll be one for Thanksgiving Day. So you'll be able to check that out. Um, or if you're on busy on Thanksgiving Day, watch it on listen on Friday. 
So yeah, they're going to be a top 10 countdown of all the Bob's Burgers Thanksgiving episodes. So um, it's not going to be very long. I'm not going to like draw it out uh, with content and everything, but I do think I'm going to talk about trivia and um, my opinions on if it's good or bad or, you know, where it lands in the top 10 list. And uh, yeah. And if you have any opinions of what you think should have been number one, I'll leave that in the comments on that episode. So yeah, thanks so much for listening, everyone. Uh, check out my Instagram if you can at Ocean Avenue Podcast, and there'll be uh, if you're on Spotify, there will be a quiz, uh, not a quiz, but a, a poll and a question underneath this episode. If you're willing to click that and check it out, if you can, please give me a uh, rating on your podcast software of choice because it really does help the podcast because uh, it improves my scores and um, you know helps with the algorithms. And uh, I'm saying and a lot because I'm really, really tired. Uh, but yeah, but it really does help. It it boosts everything. So if you want more content and you want it to uh, have uh, more listeners and you have more interactions, then yeah, it's always good to share and uh, leave likes and everything because it really does help. You'd be surprised. I mean, like 10 likes, you think are nothing. Like if 10 people liked it, like this episode or whatever, it boosted up a lot on the ratings board. It's kind of crazy how much power y'all have. So even at like any podcast that you listen to, just like it if you like it, because it really does help them a lot. It's kind of strange. I'm not making billions of dollars on this. It's just, you know, a fun thing to do. And uh, I have fun doing it. I wish I had more time. It's just I've been really ex exhausted. I've been painting a lot. I've been doing a lot of uh, designing stuff and things going, I mean, just like things and things and things. I mean, on top of that, work is getting kind of crazy. And then also I'm getting ready for, we just did Thanksgiving early and then how uh, Christmas is coming up and I have to do a lot of shopping and much. It's just adding on and on. I can't believe how many things happen in such a short amount of time. It's crazy. I don't think it was even this busy last year. I think we were too busy dealing with the hurricane to even realize what was going on. But yeah, this year crazy so thanks so much for listening and check out for the next episode on wednesday but until then bye bye